This is a podcast from the Business Times. Welcome to Property BT, a podcast series by the Business Times. I'm Senior Correspondent Leslie Yi, and I'll be your host as we gather insights on all things Singapore property to help you in your property investment journey. The National Day Rally, or NDR, is a major speech by the Prime Minister that takes place shortly after Singapore's National Day. At this year's NDR, housing took centre stage. Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong unveiled a new framework for Housing and Development Board, or HDP Flats. This new framework aims to keep home ownership affordable, maintain a good social mix in public housing, and keep the system fair. Starting with built-to-order, or BTO, projects, in the second half of 2024, say goodbye to the current classification of HDB flats by mature and non-mature estates. Welcome in its place, standard, plus, and prime flats. Hmm, sounds like streaming in schools. To help us analyse this new model, I have Professor Chen Wenlan as my guest. Professor Chen is the Director, Institute of the Real Estate and Urban Studies, National University of Singapore. She's also Professor of Finance and Real Estate and Ng Teng Fong Chair Professor in Real Estate at the University. I will describe this new model as simply as possible. Prime flats are in the choicest locations, such as the city centre or the Greater Southern Waterfront. Prime flats are sold with the most subsidies and come with the most restrictions. Plus flats are in choice locations, such as existing mature estates. Plus flats come with more subsidies and restrictions. The bulk of BTO flats will be standard flats. Here, the minimum occupation period, or MOP, is five years. There is no clawback of proceeds when a BTO buyer sells the flat. For plus and prime flats, MOP is 10 years, and there is clawback of sales proceeds for a BTO buyer. Standard flats can be rented out whole after MOP, but not plus or prime flats. Prof Chen, why do you think the government is moving away from classifying HDB flats by mature and non-mature estates to the new standard plus and prime model? What do you make of this new model? The decision is primarily driven by the fact that the urban landscape and the urban development has changed since the first time that the government introduced the uh, old classifications. Back in early 1990s, it was based on the availability of the land or the location of the land and whether that's popular or not. And then by that sort of a classification, the government says, okay, these are the mature estates and the rest are the non-mature estates. However, I think urban landscape has changed and urban development has also evolved. So the land availability has changed and more importantly, what becomes a more appealing location has changed. There are some statistics that shows even in the non-mature estates, some projects appear to be very popular among BTO or HDB buyers compared to some other projects in the traditionally defined mature estates. So then the old classification may not be able to capture the idea that some locations are in higher demand or the other, and also that the people's preferences are changing also over time. Previously, maybe people emphasize a lot more on the central locations close to CBD area, but right now, locations that are slightly farther away from the CBD but have a lot of amenities like MRT or retailers, malls, or even parks are also getting a lot of traction among HDB potential buyers. So the old classification may not work. Wow. Mature and non-mature estates have been around for three decades. Maybe this classification has become redundant. 
some far-out locations have great transport links and amenities. I think the Pinnacle at Duxton in Tanjong Paga is a great HDB project. The location and design are great. However, to get a BTO unit in such a project is like striking lottery. HDB is building new projects in good locations. Understandably, there is a need to curb the lottery effect, where through sheer luck, some BTO buyers make much more money than others. But I wonder, will young people take well to MOP of 10 years? In this day and age, many young people may switch jobs, possibly every one or two years. Being tied down to a flat for 10 years, excluding the waiting time for the flat to be built, sounds onerous. Maybe young people will steer clear of BTO Plus and Prime flats because of the long MOP. The catch, though, is these flats are in good locations. Prof Chen, do you think Plus flats will be popular with BTO buyers? I don't think that the mature or non-mature become redundant. I just think that maybe it provides less information than before because now the mature or non-mature does not capture all the information the buyers are potentially looking for. For example, for this standard plus or prime classification, my understanding is that it's not strictly defined based on the exact location. In a one location or in a one broad location, you could have a mixture of standard and plus. Prime could be the exception because Prime usually referred to the central location projects. But between standard and plus, they could be situated in the relatively close areas, but then the difference is mostly driven by their varying levels of amenities, like proximity to transportation or proximity to hawker center or malls or other facilities that people like. In terms of whether plus fats are going to be a popular among BTO buyers, I think that based on the definition that it's going to still be slightly preferred locations, I still would think that the plus flats are going to be popular, which is why the government is still kind of implementing a preferential policy with respect to, let's say, first-timers or other people with more urgent needs for housing for this type of project. I suppose the fact that plus and prime flats are in good locations will act as a counterweight to their tighter restrictions. I mentioned earlier Pinnacle at Duxton. BTO buyers of this project have made good money. Many resale flats in this project have been transacted for over a million Singapore dollars each. Indeed, in the wake of the new HDB model, some resale buyers may make a beeline for existing HDB flats in good locations. The said flats can be sold to a wider pool of buyers. This includes 1. People who bust the current income ceiling to buy BTO flats such as couples earning over 14,000 Singapore dollars a month, and two, households comprising solely of permanent residents. Hmm, the new model could inadvertently drive demand for existing sought-after HTV homes that come with fewer restrictions. Prof Chen, who wins and loses from this new model? Do some owners of existing HTV flats benefit? Do potential home buyers benefit? We're in the transition stage of the reclassification, right? So I think there are still some more details that need to be pan out about what type of units will be subject to the restriction, especially like the resale restrictions. The particular thing I like about this new classification is that the goal of the policy is to try the best way to ensure housing affordability and also fairness. I think one idea behind this is that previously, if you actually happen to win the BTO in the prime location or in a very preferred location, in a resale market, there's a high probability that you're able to sell it for a uh, good margin. 
But that means that for people who are not able to get it based on balloting, they're losing out. Especially in the resale market, you're going to purchase knowing that you're able to fetch a higher price in the future. So then people or buyers, even if they're not going to stay in the preferred flats for a long period of time, they're still willing to pay a higher price and uh, drive out the less financially capable buyers. Now, given the current kind of uh, restrictions on the resale, the chance of inflated resale prices in those type of flats are much smaller, which means that in the long run, the prices of the HDB flats are potentially going to be moderated, which in some sense is going to help the affordability issue. And also in other sense, it's also going to try to facilitate the equity, the distribution effect. So in a way, for homeowners, especially for the first-time homeowners who are actually looking for a place to live for their own housing consumption, not necessarily for speculation or long-term investment, this policy is actually a good news. Compared to many global cities, in Singapore, we are fortunate to have world-class public housing. Our home ownership rate is high. Many young couples can buy high-quality HDB homes at affordable prices. Many of these homes have good amenities. No framework is perfect, but the new HDB framework will likely be able to ensure fairer outcomes for BTO buyers. Also, it should help keep home ownership affordable and maintain a good social mix in public housing in various HDB estates island-wide. Still to come, can one build wealth by buying a plus or prime flat? Learn to protect and grow your wealth with BT Wealth editor Genevieve Kwa in her monthly podcast series, every fourth Monday of the month, with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to Property BT from the Business Times. I think it is great that many people have built wealth by owning HDB flats. As Singapore progresses, having both private and HDB homeowners gain from rising property values is fair. Home ownership gives locals a stake in Singapore and anchors people here. But it can be tougher to make money from owning a BTO Plus or Prime flat. With the clawback and more restricted pool of resale buyers, there may be less gains for a seller of a Plus or Prime flat in the resale market. Also, a couple has to stay 10 years before they can sell a BTO Plus or Prime unit to buy a private home. At this point, a couple's ability to borrow to buy a private home could be capped because of their age. Prof Chen, with tough restrictions that apply to BTO Plus and Prime flat buyers, is building wealth through property going to get harder for this group of buyers? It depends on how do you define building wealth. I think that housing is still a good asset to build your wealth. It's not the same thing as if you're not able to sell your flat for over a million, that you're not building housing wealth. You're probably going to make a smaller profit out of the housing transactions, but you're still building your housing equity. The housing price is going to change in accordance to the economic outlook and also the demographic. It's a collection of market demand and supply. So if the economy is continuously doing well, there are more people coming in and willing to stay in Singapore, then the prices will keep going up. It's just that the policy has an intention to disincentivize speculation. As I mentioned before, a lot of people are potentially trying to purchase housing, not really for living in the unit, but 
because they know that they're able to sell it at a higher price or they actually hope that some people in the future will be willing to pay a higher price. So if there are enough people who think in that way, that will actually create its own cycle by inflating the housing prices, which may even be deviating from the fundamental value. We actually want to encourage the housing wealth accumulation based on the fundamental value of the housing asset, not really through the speculative gains. Prof Chen, I guess people can still build wealth, but in a more stable manner. Stable is actually a very important word because let's suppose that the price overshoots. The higher the likelihood is going to come back, there's a correction. So there will be a lot of volatility or variability, which is not necessarily a good thing for the ordinary homeowners. As people live longer, it is good to have the option of monetizing a home to free up capital to fund retirement needs. But it would be wise to rely on other means and not just one's HDB flat to build retirement adequacy. I think resale prices of plus and prime flats can be kept more reasonable due to tight restrictions. Singapore citizens looking to downgrade from private homes may find resale plus and prime flats great buys. Such flats can be ideal for retirees. They can get a good home in a convenient location to live for the rest of their days at a good price. Prof Chen, for resale buyers, how do plus and prime flats compare with other resale flats in good locations that do not have similar restrictions? Will plus and prime flats be popular in the resale market? If you're not classified as plus or prime, most likely that you're in a location that's slightly farther away from the central area, or it could be that it takes 10 minutes of walking to the MRT as opposed to five minutes. Most likely, it's going to be a slightly disadvantaged locations and therefore the demand on average is going to be smaller and it's going to be more affordable. But of course, on the other hand, the upside potential also could be smaller. So it's really just a personal decision on your preferences, your budget and the trade-off that you see which one is more important to you. With all the classification of standard, plus and prime, the hope is that everyone can find a type of flats that suits your preferences and needs and also your budget. It really depends on whether you think that the additional premium that you pay is worth the value that you actually put on this additional peeling feature. Everybody likes to live right next to MRT, but if the price is well over a million, then I really have to think about it whether do I have the money or do I really want to spend that money. I think resale plus and prime flats may well be popular with locals downgrading from private homes. This group of bars may have plenty of liquidity in selling their private home. Of course, new plus and prime flats may only start reaching the resale market in possibly 15 years' time. In the meantime, many people will be looking at the BTO market and the existing resale market to meet housing needs. HDB bars are a disparate group. There are young people wanting their first home, some are families wanting larger homes due to increase in family size, there are also singles seeking a place of their own, divorced people needing a home, and older people looking to right-size. Prof Chen, the effects of the new model will be felt in possibly 15 years' time. Meanwhile, can buyers get BTO and resale units that they want at affordable prices? I think the government is very much focusing on making sure that housing is affordable to as many people as possible in Singapore. They've been trying a lot of measures, for example, to increase the supply. We all know that in the four-year period from 2021 to 2025, the, the government or the HDB plans to launch close to 100,000 units. 
I mean, if you have more supply, that definitely will moderate the price. And also that the, the government keeps thinking about new measures to make sure that the people who need the housing the most are getting the most support. So people who are first-timers or who may have young children, they are implementing or proposing new measures to make sure that these people get more chances in the ballot and potentially get more subsidies in the BTO process. For sure, housing is a high priority of the government. Housing is also an issue which is likely to feature large during campaigning for the next general elections. Buying a home is a big-ticket item and a big commitment. Do invest your time in understanding the property market and the many HDB rules. Also, keep on top of various developments in the market. Hopefully, a home in Singapore for many people can be a place to relax, a place to cherish, and a pot of gold. Maybe I'm being too idealistic. Thank you to my guest, Professor Chen Wenlan of the National University of Singapore. That's it for this edition of Property BT. Do join us for the next episode where we dive into listed real estate investment trusts or REITs. Are REITs good alternatives to physical real estate? Perhaps some bad experiences have pushed people away from REITs. Prices of REITs have corrected amid rising interest rates, but with more reasonable market valuations, are REITs worth serious consideration? I'm Leslie Yee. Thank you for listening and happy property hunting. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.